I'm Robert Colangelo, and this is Green Sense, where we bring you eco-innovations that are changing your world. How would you like to have a job you love and you're passionate about, and you get paid well, and you can't wait to go to work each day because you're improving society and making the planet better? Mike Bryson is a professor of sustainability studies at Roosevelt University, and we will discuss how he's shaping young hearts and minds to build a more sustainable future. Professor Bryson, thank you for joining us on GreenSense. Robert, it's a pleasure to be here on behalf of Roosevelt. I really appreciate your inviting me on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. This is, you know, we're all about sustainability. So this is a, a great thing to talk about. And it's nice to see that the universities are starting to develop curriculums. Um, you have a uh, bachelor's in biology and you have a PhD in English. Uh, tell us a little bit about your studies. Yeah, I have one foot in the sciences and one in the humanities. And I think that particular, those, those dual interests existed in me from my childhood. I was always interested in science, kind of a science nerd, but I loved to read. I enjoyed writing stories. Um, uh, even as a small kid, I liked public speaking, much to the amusement of my parents and, and relatives. So uh, when I got to college, though, I thought I kind of had to pick one thing. And like many students, uh, high school students who are interested in the sciences, and I came from a healthcare family of a pharmacist and a nurse, I thought, well, it'd be logical to have a physician in the family. So I'll be pre-med and go to medical school. It turned out that that was not the path I followed. And we don't have enough time to really talk about the journey in its entirety, but I shifted into environmental science. And then by the time I got to the end of my college career, the five-year plan, I might say, I had added an English double major and decided what I really wanted to do was leave science behind and study literature. It was in graduate school though, that I kind of had, I had a classic formative, unexpected experience that totally flipped my um, academic and, as it turned out, career goals upside down. One year into my graduate studies in English uh, on Long Island at, at the State University of New York at Stony Brook, I got a call from, an, from a science mentor from Woods Hole Oceanographic Institute on Cape Cod. And he said, Mike, uh, I have an opening in my Antarctic research expedition team, and I'd like you to come along. Can you get a leave of absence from grad school? I'm like, well, when would you need to know this? It sounds pretty cool. Because uh, as it turns out, I had, um, had done research with this guy a couple years ago while I was in college. And he said, well, you got to tell me by tomorrow. You got 24 hours. And I... I went to our, our dean. I, I said, I need a leave of absence so I can go to Antarctica. Her jaw kind of fell open and she's like, uh, could you say that again? And the long, long and the short of it was I joined this ecological research expedition to the Antarctic dry valleys. I brought along a journal to write about my experiences and I was doing field science in the Trans-Antarctic Mountains about the biogeochemistry of a permanently frozen Antarctic lake and writing about it. And, and I discovered 
this whole genre of polar exploration literature that I didn't know existed. And I realized I don't have to choose between science and literature, between biology and the humanities. I can do both if I focus on the environment. And that, that honestly, I was back in 1991, 31 years ago. And ever since I've been looking for ways to explore and learn about and study and teach about our biophysical environment. Uh, and now I do it from a sustainability perspective. Well, that's a great story. And that's the backstory because that's not on your resume. So I appreciate you sharing that. So let's get into some of the things that you have accomplished. You're the co-founder of the Roosevelt's uh, Sustainability Studies Program. It was launched in 2010. And it I didn't realize this, it offered the first undergraduate degree program of its kind in the Chicago region. Uh, well, tell us why you created the Sustainable Studies Program. The SUST program, Sustainability Studies Program at Roosevelt, was uh, born out of a desire among myself and a couple other faculty members to have some kind of environmental program at Roosevelt that had an urban slant to it that was focused on the ecosystem of the city and its suburbs. And so we we're toying around with different names. And I, for a while, I was hot on the idea of urban environmental studies, which I still think sounds cool. But then I started reading about and we and, and learning about this notion of sustainability. And to me, it was a great concept because it was encompassing, comprehensive, interdisciplinary. It wove together the three E's of the environment, the economy, and equity. And I thought, along with my colleagues, we thought this was a great idea for an environmental program. So we kicked it off by teaching an interdisciplinary course called the Sustainable City, where we focused on Chicago as an urban ecosystem. It was a, and we approached it kind of through the natural and social sciences. It was a team taught course that I did with an environmental historian. And that course provided the blueprint for devising our full major in sustainability studies in 2010. That's that's fascinating. Uh, and that was ahead of the curve. Uh, tell us a little bit about what the curriculum inc includes. The curriculum includes courses called, uh, named, for example, the Sustainable Future, which is our introductory comprehensive sustainability course. And if you only have to take one, that's a good one to take. But then we have courses that are take an interdisciplinary look at key issues and challenges in sustainability. And just to name a few, we have a course called Food, one word title. We have a course called Waste. We have a course called Water, which I teach frequently. And we each of those are such broad categories. Exactly. You could get a, a PhD on each one of those. You, you very well could. <laughs> and that is a hallmark of our degree in that it is a general liberal arts approach to sustainability rather than a hyper-specialized uh, uh, degree focused on, say, um, sustainable uh, architectural design uh, or um, environmental engineering. Those tend to be more focused and more technical. We're more wide-ranging, comprehensive, and liberal artsy, if you will. 
And that's great. But at the end of the day, students have to work and find jobs. So when uh, students graduate, what kind of jobs can they expect to get with a degree from Roosevelt and your sustainability program? The best way to answer that question is to um, talk about our alumni and what kinds of sectors they work in and what kind of job roles they have. I will say that the, the jobs our sustainability alumni have and the careers they pursue are very wide ranging. They include communications positions, educational positions, uh, working in the energy sector, in water quality and wastewater management, in energy, I did mention energy, but I should say that that includes clean energy or renewable energy production, but also energy conservation initiatives. Uh, we have an alum working for a small company in Chicago that consults with individual residents, but also um, organizations and corporations and does energy building audits. They will audit your building and assess its energy usage and conservation potential, and then give you feedback on how you could retrofit and adapt that building to cut your energy uh, waste and um, cut your costs significantly. Um, we've got people working in the area of sustainable agriculture who are employed by uh, urban farms. In fact, one of our current students hasn't even graduated yet, was just hired as a full-time uh, urban farmer at Chicago, at Star Farm Chicago on the, on the um, southwest side. Well, we build uh, greenhouses and vertical farms, so I'm happy to hear that. Oh, that's great. <laughs> um, who are the major employers in the area that are picking up your students? Uh, the, the employers tend to be, um, well, it, it, it's a variety. We've, we've had people work for big uh, cultural and, and um, scientific institutions like the Field Museum. Uh, we have folks working in grassroots community organizations. Uh, uh, two of our alumni work at the Southeast Environmental Task Force which is one of the oldest environmental justice and community, uh, community activist groups in the city of Chicago. Uh, just, well, I should mention, I, we have a, another recent alum who was a returning adult student by the name of Dan. He is the chief operating engineer at the Stickney Wastewater Treatment Plant, which is kind of cool to say is in true Chicago fashion, the largest, uh, such wastewater treatment plant in the entire world. <laughs> we had Commissioner Marita from the Mes Metropolitan Water Reclamation District on a couple weeks ago, Fantastic. and we talked about some of those activities. That's wonderful. Well, one of the big things in Chicago, a big economic engines is O'Hare Airport. And with all those planes, do you, there's lots of sustainability issues around that. Anybody working for the airlines or the airport? You know, that is one sector we do not have an alum in, although I should say we've only got about 140 alumni. So it's a small but mighty cadre since people started graduating around 2012, 10 years ago from our program. There was a, one of the people I mentioned earlier, her name is Yesenia. She uh, 
earned a master's degree at UIC in urban planning and policy after uh, being a sustainability major at Roosevelt, she did an internship with the Chicago Aviation. um, I think it's the Chicago Aviation Authority. I can't remember the exact uh, uh, acronym uh, for the agency, but she ended up going back to the Southeast Environmental Task Force. I will say though, we do have a, in, in the transportation field, one alum works full-time for uh, a program run by the city of Chicago that promotes active transportation, walking and biking. And he's, he's a bike guy and managed to parlay his sustainability and business double major into a position doing what he loves, which is riding a bike, teaching people how to ride, how to fix bikes, and, and, and really managing that program. Well, sustainability is infectious. And as I said in the introduction, isn't it wonderful to have a job you love and you can't wait to go to each day because you do good. Um, You did mention a student having an advanced degree. Uh, What kind of degree do you need to work in this field? A bachelor's, a master's, PhD? Where where are the most jobs? You can get a job with a bachelor's degree, to be sure. Um, Some positions that are interested in, for example, um, higher level engineering or scientific technical skills will want a master's degree in those fields. There are a growing number of master's and PhD programs in sustainability and sustainability related disciplines. 10 years ago, there were far fewer, but it is still possible to be competitive in a lot of different fields with a bachelor's degree in sustainability. I do advise students to think not just about doing that major at a, when I'm discussing folks' uh, career pathways and aspirations at Roosevelt, but to think about what they're going to combine with sustainability. For example, do you want to do a minor in biology or perhaps in communications or in political science or sociology, if you're more interested in environmental policy. So um, I guess the real answer is it depends. (laughs) You know, there is an arms race out there among employers to to, uh, demand higher credentials all the time. But just yesterday, a a, a recent alum um, gave a talk at Roosevelt about it, as it turned out, social corporate responsibility, and she does ESG, by the way. She was hired by Archer Daniel Midland, Archer Daniels Midland, with a dual bachelor's degree, um, and her one from Roosevelt is her more recent bachelor's. Uh, well, well, that's a great segue because that was my question too. Environmental, social, and governments, or ESNG, is a very hot area. We did a great interview, oh, about six months ago, where we talked about BlackRock, the uh, investment uh, group that has $9 trillion under management, and they've recently initiated uh, uh, an investor-wide ESNG program through all their investments. Um, As I said, this is a very hot area. Do you include this topic in your curriculum, and are students prepared uh, to go into this, uh, this area? We do talk about the ethical pillar of sustainability a lot in all our classes. At this point, we don't have a specific course that is focused on 
preparing students to do ESG work with um, nonprofits and with corporations. However, I, I do recognize that as an area of high need. And one of the great advantages about being at a university is I can walk down the hall or take an elevator and talk to my colleagues in the College of Business. In fact, that student I mentioned just a moment ago who now works on ESG at Archer Daniels Midland, she was invited to give a guest presentation in a man, upper level management course in our College of Business. And she and the professor and I sat in the class afterward and thought, hmm, you know what? This is a critical area that we need to really speak to directly in our educational pathways so that no matter where students are, whether they're studying business, whether they're studying sustainability or another major, they could take a course on something like this and go into that field because as Allison, the student attested, it is a very new thing and people don't yet have degrees really in doing that, those kinds of assessments. So their training is in all different kinds of fields and the contours of the job are evolving even as we speak. So we're kind of training folks and educating people to be adaptable to a job landscape that is going to look different in five or 10 years than it looks right now. Well, I like your approach to being a generalist right now uh, as, as this field is emerging because it is so vast and giving students the tools to, to know what they don't know and be able to focus on later on and also to combine their education. So combining business, finance with ESG and sustainability is where things really can have a large impact because at the end of the day, the world speaks finance. And if you could put in sustainability and speak their language, we'll get things done. So uh, it's been great talking to you, but I want to talk a little bit about uh, what you've focused on in your research and you've uh, published a book, Visions of the Land. So maybe you could talk a little bit about that, uh, summarize what that is and the kind of research you enjoy doing. Uh, thanks, Robert. The, it, it is a joy to be an educator and to work with students and to have the luxury of reading books and talking about them and writing about them for a living. Especially um, when you have that passion. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, my The book Visions of the Land took a look at how we have represented the natural environment in the United States from the mid pre-Civil War 19th century up through the 1960s using a, an ecologically informed way of reading both literary texts, but also scientific and technical texts. So it wasn't a classic, I'm just studying literature per se with a capital L, it was a more wide ranging study and really grounded in, in a historical analysis as well. My current work though, focuses on representations of urban nature. So looking at urban and suburban ecosystems, how they're designed, how people interact with each other and with the wildlife we encounter in, in our cities and suburbs, um, what kind of plant communities we do or do not cultivate in said environs, um, and really looking at how, you know, what's the relationship between the built part of our environment and the quote unquote natural part of our environment. 
it's pretty important because here in the United States, over 80% of the population lives in either cities or suburbs. Worldwide, over half the population now is urbanized. Now that was not the case 100 years ago. People were much more rural in where they, in where they lived. Now we, we mostly live in cities. We use the hinterlands to produce food and, and other resources and commodities. How do we make our cities more sustainable? And a side note to that, that's kind of more about my literary and humanity side is, what's our relationship with the natural world like when we live in a, in a land of concrete and asphalt and uh, roads every which way? Um, how can we cultivate a, a, a connection to our environment when we're in the urban and suburban uh, sphere. That's really kind of what I'm focused on as a writer and scholar right now. Well, thank you for sharing this. And I, we got to get you back on the show because a burning question I have when you gave us uh, this explanation is one of the maybe fallacies out there is that we were all told that uh, it was a lot easier to make cities sustainable because you had an economy of scale. You had all these people, you had a big tax base, you could put these dollars in these large public pro projects like public transportation and all these green initiatives. The problem is all of a sudden our cities have become unaffordable <laughs> and, and, and they're not sustainable. So I'm not going to let you answer it here, but I'm going to ask you back on the show. And I think we should dive into that topic because that is a big problem. As I travel around the country and travel around the world, it's not just specific to, to the States is that the real estate prices have gotten so high that it's priced people out of the market and we have such a gap out there that we're anything but sustainable urban environments. So I'd like you to ponder that, uh, Professor, and uh, can we pick it up again maybe in a couple months? Will do. That sounds terrific. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us on Green Sense. It was a delight to talk to you. Thank you, Robert. It's a pleasure to be on your show. That's Mike Bryson, Professor of Sustainability Studies at Roosevelt University, shaping young hearts and minds to create a sustainable future for us all. Green Sense is an independent radio show. We rely on sponsorship and listener support to produce high quality audio broadcasts that promote innovators with sustainable solutions. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, visit the GreenSenseFarms.com website to learn more. I'm Robert Colangelo. Thank you for listening to Green Sense and check out the Green Sense Minute every Thursday and Saturday on 105.9 FM, WBBM, Chicago.